How do I start? <laughs> um, hello, everybody? Yeah, hello, everybody. This is Josh and Phil. How can I not do this without a script? <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn, and I am solo once again today, but only for this intro. You'll be hearing from Ryan in just a few seconds here. I think you're going to love this episode. I, I know I certainly did. It was our first time in Vermont, and the questions and the energy were just truly outstanding. And also, you know, it was our first time doing a hashtag Ask the Minimalists battle on stage. It was, it was sort of like a, a rap battle, but without any rapping going on. I think, I think you'll see what I mean uh, later in this episode when, when you listen along, get to that lightning round section of the podcast. But first, uh, because we didn't include an added value segment at the end of this episode, I wanted to make sure that I still gave you some added value this week. So this week, I'm finding value in, in a couple things. Uh, first off, fellow Montanan John Mayer has a new album. It's called... The Search for Everything. What a great title. Uh, let, me, let me just say this. It's definitely not my, my favorite John Mayer album, but I'm totally okay with that because it's still a really, really good album. And it's been the perfect soundtrack while I've been on the road these last few weeks. It's a great mix of blues and rock and pop and R&B all in one album. So check it out. It's called The Search for Everything, wherever you, you get your music these days. Uh, I, I listen on, on Apple Music personally, but I know it's on Spotify and Google Play and probably even on physical CD if, if those things still exist, which I assume they do. Uh, I've got a couple more albums to recommend, also a book to recommend as well, but I think I'm going to wait until next week when I can talk to, to Ryan about those. Ryan is in Tokyo right now. He's on a little vacation with his partner, and, and so I definitely want to spend the time with him talking about some of these albums and, and a book in particular. So let's hold off till next week to discuss those. But I would like to hear about you. What are some of your favorite albums so far this year? You know, I love hearing about new music. So you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm just at JFM. Now, since uh, if you remember back to episode number 71, Ryan and I announced that we, we were doing this little experiment. It's the no social media on my phone experiment. Um, I don't check Twitter every day now because I don't have that app on my phone, but I, I still check it a few times a week right there from my computer. So it's al always the best way to, to reach out to me is still on Twitter at JFM, or you can reach out to the minimalists as a whole. We're just at the minimalists there. And speaking of, of that appless experiment, it's a pretty interesting word, appless. It almost sounds like a, a Freudian slip or... or you know, I don't know what it is, but this whole Apple's experiment, I hope to, once Ryan gets back, I hope to chat with him about how that experiment's going with him. I know I've learned a lot in the last month or so, and I'm looking forward to hearing what Ryan has learned as well. 
All right, so that's really what's adding value to my life right now. Let's move on real quick to right here, right now. This is where we get to talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. We're working on some pretty exciting stuff right now. And actually, you know, you can help us out with some of those exciting things. So three things that are going on right now. First, this year, 2017, we, we are working on building a new audio recording and film studio. How awesome is that? I mean, talking about expanding out into new vehicles and, and new media and just improving what we're doing overall. This is one of the things that we're really focused on and the thing that we're really excited about. And because we refuse to clutter our podcast with advertisements, we need your help. And that's why we, we, we created a Patreon page over at patreon.com slash the minimalists. What is Patreon, you might ask? Good question. Patreon is it's a website that allows people who create stuff like the minimalist podcast, for example. It allows us to build our own subscription service and allows our listeners to contribute on a per episode basis. Now, why would you want to contribute to the minimalist via Patreon, you ask? Also a good question. Until now, uh, the only way to support the minimalists was via PayPal donations, which honestly, those have been great. But Patreon will actually help us improve our podcast. As you know, uh, we don't make any money from advertisements because let's face it, most advertisements suck. Can you imagine if, if we had to start shilling for some underwear or, or mattress company? Oh man, I, I, I can tell you this, it, it, it wouldn't feel good. I, I wouldn't feel good about it. I know Ryan wouldn't feel good about it either. And, and that doesn't mean we're knocking anyone else who does ads. It's just frankly, it's not for us. Plus, being ad-free allows us to, to do that added value segment each week without any bias toward a sponsor. And that means uh, that we can recommend something, right? And whenever we do recommend something, it's because we truly get value from it, not because, not because someone's lining our pockets. And so because we refuse to do advertisements, we are turning down literally tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, seriously, it is an insane number every single month. And, and I'll just be honest with you, it's, that's totally fine with us because it aligns with our values, but it means that we need your help so we can do some cool new stuff with our podcast. So if you go over to patreon.com slash the minimalists, there's also a, a link to that in, in the show notes, you'll notice that there are a couple objectives, what Patreon calls goals, but for those of you who know me, you know, I don't like goals, but there are a couple objectives on our, our Patreon page. Uh, first off, uh, the first one is just called Studio. When we reach 2,000 patrons, we will have enough money to build a new audio recording studio, which will allow us to take live callers on the air. It will improve our overall audio quality, and it will also allow us to bring on occasional guests to the show. We'll have people on from time to time. It will also help us pay our producer, Podcast Sean, who's smiling right now. And because he has a wife and, and three kids. So if you, if you want to help out Podcast Sean earn a full-time living wage, then you certainly can. Uh, plus, we'll also have the, the flexibility to test new types of episodes, experimental episodes, shorter episodes, longer episodes, more episodes, while continuing to focus on our, our normal high-quality standards. And number two, the, the second objective over there on our Patreon page, you'll notice it's just called Video. And this is honestly the one we're, we're the most excited about. When we reach 5,000 patrons, 
Patreon patrons. Say that five times fast, Sean. When we reach 5,000 patrons, uh, which honestly, that sounds like a lot, but it's actually less than 1% of our listeners. When we reach 5,000, we will have enough money to build a film studio and hire a full-time filmmaker to help us create a, a video version of the podcast. And, and this film studio will be more than just the, the film for the podcast. It will also allow us to create other meaningful videos, web series, television shows, interviews, documentaries, video essays, live streams, and much more. And by the way, if there's any additional revenue from Patreon, so say we, we build the studio, we're paying Sean, we're paying a filmmaker, we're doing the, the filming that we want to do, and if there's any extra money, where does that go? Does, does it make its way to my pockets and to Ryan's bank account? Nope. That's not what we're, we're trying to do here. It's not going to go to our individual bank accounts at all. It's going to be donated to, to, donated to charity, actually. And so uh, just to be clear, we are not on Patreon just so that Joshua and Ryan can make more money. Uh, that's not what we're interested in. We, 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 do, we do just fine on our own. But we want to incorporate some interesting new things into our platform. And those interesting things require money. And that's where you come in. Would you be willing to be part of the 1%? We want you to be part of the 1%. And what I mean by that is the 1% of our audience who helps us create something meaningful and helps keep our podcast 100% advertisement free. If so, head on over to patreon.com slash the minimalists and become a patron today. You can contribute any amount you want. And if you contribute $2 or more per podcast episode, you will have access to an exclusive monthly live stream where you'll be able to ask questions and interact with the minimalists. And you can even watch the video after it airs, which is especially nice if you, if you miss that live broadcast. And it's only our Patreon supporters who will have access to this exclusive monthly live stream. Thanks for helping us create something meaningful, y'all. We appreciate it. All right, back to uh, right here, right now. Item number two, second. Ryan and I are always looking for, for creative ways to contribute to the world around us. We built an elementary school in uh, 2015. We helped the 52 victims of that horrible Pulse nightclub shooting in, in Orlando last year. And just last month, we donated a majority of the profits from our first four Less Is Now tour stops to help build an orphanage on the U.S.-Mexico border. And now here's a new way for you to help contribute to charity, and it won't cost you a penny. Throughout 2017, Ryan and I are going to donate $10 to charity in your name for every iTunes review we receive this month. Uh, it means we're starting the month with 2,330 reviews on iTunes. So every review on top of that means $10 goes to charity. And the charity we've chosen this month is one of my favorite charities. It's called the Against Malaria Foundation, which according to GiveWell.org, the Against Malaria Foundation is currently the most effective life-saving nonprofit in the world. What do they do with the Against Malaria Foundation? Well, let me ask you this. Did you know that malaria is one of the leading killers of children in Africa? In fact, malaria has killed more than half the people who have ever lived on Earth. Just think about that for a second. More than half the people who have ever lived have died from malaria. And so the Against Malaria Foundation provides insecticide-treated nets that save lives. Uh, the foundation estimates that it takes $3,500 to save one life. 
So for every iTunes review of The Minimalist Podcast this month, Ryan and I will donate $10, which means that together we will save one life for, for every 350 reviews this month. And really, this serves two purposes. Number one, we all together get to contribute to a meaningful cause. And by the way, that costs you nothing. It's going to come out of my pockets and Ryan's pockets individually. And, and number two, uh, those reviews on iTunes, they actually help our message reach more ears. It, it goes into their algorithm and more people hear about our podcast. So it's really a win-win for everyone. We'd obviously prefer a five-star rating if you find value in this podcast because five stars is the most helpful way to spread our message but we will still donate $10 if your review isn't five stars. Of course, we always want it to be genuine. We don't want to coerce you into giving a better rating than what you think we deserve. But if you find value in the podcast, we would love five stars. So just do me a quick favor right now. Pause this podcast and leave a quick review on iTunes, and we will donate $10 in your name this month. Even if you don't listen directly through iTunes, say you listen on Spotify or SoundCloud or YouTube or Overcast or somewhere else, iTunes is still the best place where the reviews are, are the most helpful. So if you head over to iTunes, it's just iTunes.com slash The Minimalists, or if it's on your little podcast app, um, and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. And... We'll be able to help some folks out together. By the way, I got this idea from, from a friend of mine. His name is Lewis Howes. He's a really great guy, and he runs a great podcast called The School of Greatness. So thank you, Lewis. I think you're going to help us contribute to a lot of folks this month, and hopefully we'll get to save some lives in the process. And one last thing for right here, right now, it's item number three. Ryan and I are hitting the road once again next week. We're bringing the Less Is Now tour to Spokane, Seattle, and Portland. And then we're headed to Grand Rapids, Chicago, Madison, Minneapolis, San Diego, Los Angeles, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Columbus, Cleveland, and like 20 other cities. Each night during the Less Is Now tour, we give an in-depth talk about minimalism, followed by a live podcast and a Q&A session, and of course, a whole bunch of totally optional free hugs after the event. You can find your city and get tickets over at lessisnow.com. Some of those cities are pretty close to selling out. And so uh, we won't be adding second shows in, in, of in, in any of those cities. I know sometimes people will say, well, we're going to add a second show at you know 10 p.m. or something. I tell you, Ryan and I give it our all during those shows and we are beat, especially after doing an hour or so of hug line after after the event. So there, there won't be any second show. So get those tickets while you can. Uh, speaking of, of sold out shows, I know some of you have received a sold-out message in Los Angeles. It looks like that event may have been sold out, but it they may have opened up some extra seats. There are still some great seats available in Los Angeles, so get them while you can, LA. It is going to be a killer night, and you know what? There's going to be a very special secret guest there that night. There's going to be a, some secret guests in a few cities throughout this tour, but I'm really looking forward to this Los Angeles stop. Hope to see you there. All right, that's a long but necessary intro. Just to recap, number one, support this podcast at patreon.com slash the minimalists so we can create a small film studio and create meaningful videos about minimalism. Number two, leave us a review on iTunes and we will donate $10 in your name. And number three, come see us live, lessisnow.com. And now enjoy the show. Ryan and I had a blast in Vermont and we hope you love it as much as we did. You can stay tuned after the show for some comments and tips from our listeners. 
Hello, everybody. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. We are here live in Burlington, Vermont. Oh, nice. This is going to be good. You, yeah. you know what? So we, we um, as the minimalists, have been to 48 different states. And we've been to all the contiguous United States except one, Vermont. <laughs> and we are here today. And thank you for walking with us. We really appreciate it. All right, so we, we've, got some, we've got some questions here. Uh, we've got some folks lined up. Usually what we do is we take calls, but it would be weird if you just like pulled your phone out and, and called us. <laughs> So we have a microphone right here. So we'll get started. Go ahead and give us your name and tell us what your question is. And we have, uh, we have a few answers up here. Did you, you brought the answers? I, I got them. Don't worry. All right. Thanks. Yeah. I brought the answers. <laughs> my name is Max. I'm from uh, Philadelphia. Nice. Actually, Saratoga Springs. But I, my question was, you, you said you, you lived in a three-bedroom apartment. And after you got rid of 80% of your stuff, how did you fill the, the space but not get into a, got knock into, into a deeper sadness? I'd let someone else fill the space for me. I, I got rid of the place. I rented it out. I mean, at that point when I was sitting there faced with 80% of my stuff still in boxes, I was just like looking at it. And really what went through my mind was, wow, here's like tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff that I've purchased. And then I started to think about like the narrative that I've told myself and how my life was going to unfold. And I always told myself, you know, I'm going to get everything I want. I'm going to find that happiness. And as soon as, I, as, soon as I'm happy, uh, I can start doing the things that I actually want to do. Like, you know, maybe I could retire at age, you know, 40 or 50 and, you know, have, have a decade or two or three of, of living out the rest of my life how I wanted to. And as I was kind of having that thought, I was like, wait a minute. Like, if I didn't have... If, if I hadn't spent tens of thousands of dollars on all this stuff, if I didn't have this huge mortgage, I, I wouldn't have to work these 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks. And I could actually go do the things I wanted to do now. I could go see my mom who lived a half hour away. I hardly ever saw her. Mm. I mean, maybe seven or eight times a year, major holidays and her birthday, Mother's Day, things like that. The, the, the major holidays that were important to her. But I got to tell you, every time I showed up to a family event, they would always like, make me feel like what I was doing was okay because I'm, I'm the only person in my family to have uh, a college degree and the only one who kind of climbed the corporate ladder like that. And every time I went to a family function, they're like, there's our corporate success. You know, good job, Ryan. But it, but it didn't feel right. So for me, that's... That's why minimalism really uh, captured my attention. It was because if I started to live more deliberately and make better decisions with the resources that I had, I could start doing the things I wanted. So uh, one of the first things I did, well, the, the fir very first thing I did uh, was got rid of my brand new car. And I got that, uh, for those who have seen the documentary, the tour bus that we have, the 2004 Toyota Corolla. I went and got that because it had no car payment on, on it. It's got and a then, cassette deck and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's fully loaded. I still have that car. It leaks when it rains, but I love it. Every time it rains on my head, I'm like, 
this is so much better than a car payment. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, then the next thing was, was getting rid of, uh, of my home. So um, I actually rented it out because I, I couldn't sell it because I was so upside down on it. I, I did get rid of it. I finally dumped it off eventually. But, but yeah, um, for me, minimalism, it, it, was, it was going to help me uh, take, con take back control of my finances. And, and that was really the first. So it was my stuff, and then I really started focusing on my finances. And when I sold a lot of that stuff, which... I spent tens of thousands of dollars on, and I lost tens of thousands of dollars because you know you can't sell it for what you what you paid for it. Um, yeah, I was able to start paying down debt and live a much more meaningful life. Gotcha. You know, I remember after Ryan's packing party, all, all this stuff was still packed up in in his second living room, which was actually sort of the there was this foyer. Well, his house was so nice; it was a foyer. <laughs> But it was you would walk through the, the foyer and into his second living room, and you had all these boxes, but then you walk beyond that, and the, the house sounded different. And I'm like, so this is the sound of minimalism. Because, you know, it, it would reverberate a bit more, and you realize that a lot of the stuff that we have, we... So did you see our documentary, by chance? I did. Okay, great. So, so um, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's, it's a documentary called Minimalism, a documentary about the important things. And, and this guy holding the camera right here is the guy who's responsible for it. It's Matt Diavella, ladies and gentlemen. He is an extremely talented director, and um, we're grateful that he was able to take several thousand hours of our nonsense and, and put it into a coherent narrative. Um, but uh, anyway, with the documentary, we interviewed a, a minimalist architect. His name was Frank. And he said a few things that really stood out to me. But one of the things he said is when he builds a house for someone, he doesn't ask them, do you want a living room? Do you want a two-car garage? Do you want a dining room? Do you want this? Do you want this? this? Do you want walk-in closets? Because everyone says yes. Because we feel like if the architect's asking this, us this, of course we're supposed to say yes. It's what we're supposed to do. Instead of asking them, do they want these things, he asks the people one question. How do you live your life? And he says, I try to build houses around people's lives instead of trying to force them to cram their lives into my house that I've built for them. And to me, that was so applicable. But, of course, most of us don't have the luxury of, well, I'm going to build a house around my life necessarily. If you do... I think it's great, and tiny homes are really ideal for that for the folks who are, who are interested in that. I really admire that. It wouldn't work for, for me and my family right now. Um, you know, I have a partner, and we, we have a three-year-old. She'll be four next month, and um, I can only imagine living in 120 square feet with her. Um, it was just, she's like a, a hurricane, and, and so um, it, it wouldn't work. But my, my, my point is that what I learned from this is Okay, I can take that same principle, though, and I can find a space that is more ideal for the life I want to live. And then on top of that, even if it's not the most ideal space, I've learned to become a lot more comfortable with silence. And part of that is visual or material silence as well. You don't have to fill an empty room to make you more complete. You, you are already complete. Thank you. Thanks for the question, man. Thank yeah. you. Did you drive from Philly? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Hi. Uh, 
Hi, my name is Anne, and uh, welcome to Vermont, first Thanks, of all. Thanks, Thank you. Beautiful um, state, by the way. Yeah. Oh, my. I can't. Well, not... you picked a good day. This is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we live in Missoula, Montana, which I think is like just one of the most beautiful places uh, in the country. If you haven't been to Western Montana, go. Like, find a way to get there at some point. Um, and if you can take a road trip there, even better, because there's so much to see on on the way there. Uh, but. Burlington makes me feel like Missoula makes me feel. I can tell. I can tell you this. So, so we the first time we went to Missoula was five years ago. We were at the end of our very first uh, book tour. So it was like 2011 and, and 2012, and we were really lucky if six people showed up at an event. But it was great because it was it was kind of a listening tour, and, and it shaped in many ways. It, it shaped the the material that we wrote in our book, Everything That Remains, and, and then what we talked about in the documentary. And it helped us understand what really resonated with people. It let us listen to people a lot more. And that's why we do a lot of this podcast. We were able to, to get questions from people. But when we were driving through Missoula, it was one of those days where it was like, you pick the right day. It was, it was Missoula summer. And I had never been to Montana. We had just finished a tour. We were really tired. We finished it in Vancouver, British Columbia. We're driving back to Dayton, Ohio, and all along the tour, we were looking for the next place to go to write this book, our second book, uh, the memoir, Everything That Remains. And and as we left Vancouver, we fell asleep in in uh, Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and we woke up there, and it was just gorgeous. And then we drove into Montana, and it was like cliche beautiful. I, I I'd have to use like stock phrases from like Yeats poems or something in order to describe uh, Montana accurately. But we were driving down the highway and I, it's the first time in my life I've ever done a triple take. The, uh, it's along I-90 and it's like the most perfect day. It's 80 degrees and sunny. I look over and there are four college kids skinny dipping from a waterfall on the side of the highway and I shit you not there was a bald eagle that flew overhead. <laughs> now, I'm from Dayton, Ohio. I've never seen a bald eagle in my life. The only thing that could have been, like, more Americana was if it had a, a flag in its talons. <laughs> anyway, thank you for welcoming us here. I forgot my question. Wait, did you ask your, did you ask your question? I, I did not. I hope I answered your <laughs> question. I'm, just, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I know. Um, well, I guess since I've been following you for the last, I don't know, three or four years, um, it's the minimalism, minimalist has um, the right label. It fits kind of uh, nicely. I feel like, you know, I'm 60, so when I was in my 20s, I felt like people around me thought I may have been cheap. I thought maybe in my 40s, and that didn't feel right. And I thought maybe in my 40s, it's, I was frugal. <laughs> um, and um, that didn't feel right either. So this feels better, but it's still not quite right. So I was saying uh -huh. if you could change the label, but not the genre, like sure. what would you call it? Not minimalist, because people like my friends go, what, are we not gonna have anything in your house? What do you mean, are you not gonna yeah. buy anything? You, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was like, no, I, I buy things, but when I do, it's intentional and it's, you know, quality and et cetera. Sure, so I, like, what would you call it? Tr we tried to buy the simpletons.com, but it was already <laughs> taken. <laughs> I think they would have gone in a completely different direction. <laughs> that could, I'm, I'm sure that's a parody website of us. Um, yeah. I, I can tell you that there are a few directions you can really go with it. There's a, a great book called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. 
Yeah, I mean, so, so essentialism is a term that is, that is all-encompassing as well. To me, it means some of the similar things to, to minimalism. I think, I think minimalism can be more broad because it also applies to architecture and art. And I, I, what I've found is with minimalism, it's really like the bones are the, are the beauty of the thing. I, I really enjoy minimalist architecture. We run a side project called Minimalism Life. Are any of you familiar with it at all? A couple of you? Yeah, I saw Instagram? a few hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I see the pictures. Yeah. If it's just uh, minimalism life on Instagram, or just minimalism dot life, uh, and you can you can see the the side project there. But we post a lot of different photos of of minimalist architecture, and what I really like about that is, yeah, it is rather stark and almost aggressively stark at times, but it can be gorgeous because it really gets down to it, the essence of the thing, and that's what minimalism is about for me. But as a lifestyle, it's, it's not about deprivation. And so you can go back and look at the ascetics who believe that pain and suffering was the key to not having pain in a way, which seems a bit quixotic to me to, to think that, that, well, I'm going to suffer so much that I won't suffer. Um, or you can go back to the Stoics. I mean, I don't think Stoicism is the right word either, but there's a lot of wisdom in Epictetus or Seneca or Marcus Aurelius and, and you know, it's ancient... 2,000-year-old wisdom that pulls forward to today. Or you can look at people like Emerson and, and Thoreau and, and some of the stuff they did, but that was also a little bit about deprivation. And to me, it is much more about getting back down to the essential. And I realize that minimalism is probably the best term. It's the most ideal term and the most imperfect term as well because it piques people's interest. When you hear minimalism, you're like, okay, that's probably going to be radical. And then what Ryan's job and my job is, is to show you that it's not a radical lifestyle. It's a practical lifestyle. But at first, when you just hear the label, it sounds radical. And so maybe, maybe essentialism has a, a softer edge. I would have called it intentionalism for you guys. So yeah. yeah. But, um, and have you ever heard of the Swedish term lagom? Yes. Oh, okay. So yeah. Well, you want to explain it, though? Because you'll probably no, do a better job than I, me. I had just spent three years in Stockholm, Sweden, which they're kind of like that whole form and function is very much... So lagom means just the right amount of mm. stuff, not too much and not too little. Yeah. So, okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, thank you. I, I, the only thing I would add is you can pick whatever labels you want, you know? I mean... Yeah. When I think about labels, the first thing I think of is like you know wearing a T-shirt with the label on it or something. I don't pick labels like that, but uh, you know I know there's people out there who will label themselves a minimalist uh, and they label themselves uh, you know a Christian, which is great. Um, you don't have to just be a minimalist. You can you don't have to choose just one label. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we'll, we'll have people come to our events. Like we we did an event in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and we had this young couple come up to us afterwards and said. It's great to see a couple guys out here spreading Jesus' message. <laughs> and I just said, hey, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you think that. And then, and then the next week, we were in Seattle. And, and, and this woman, this small woman came up, and she goes, I just love to see a couple guys out here spreading these Buddhist maxims. <laughs> and I said, thanks. A month later, we got an email from someone who said, did you know that Muhammad was the original minimalist? <laughs> I said, thanks for letting me know. That's great. <laughs> and, and so I, I agree with Ryan. I, I think 
labels can be useful. I mean, everything, I mean, this is a speaker. That is a label, right? I'm sitting on a chair. That is a label. We don't want to give too much meaning to the label, though. So I also agree that you can pick whatever ism works best for you. I think sometimes that, that radical na name helps us identify and put, put a name on uh, a change that we want to make. But sometimes, yeah, it can be too aggressive. And so you can call it essentialism, intentionalism. You can just call it simple living. You can call it simplicity. You can call it whatever you want. <laughs> Howdy. Okay. okay. Uh, I'll call it a self-actualization, okay. a mm. process, a life process. I've studied feng shui for many, many years and practiced it in my life. But the paperwork, the, the, the tedium of going through like 40 years of collecting papers on workshops I've taken and workshops I've given and and my life is a lot about self-actualization and living an intentional life and welcome to Vermont. <laughs> but I have a hard time with the papers because there's so many of them and I have to touch each one and go through each one and it's on some level it's really boring and long and hard. Yes. So what, have any inspiration or help about that? Boring is, is so, uh, for me, I... I think decluttering is boring, and I know some of you will disagree with me, and I envy you. <laughs> be, because I think most of us find decluttering boring, and so Ryan and I found a way to make it a little bit more fun. So, so Ryan, you, you heard about his packing party, right? He talked about his packing party, and we came up with this idea called a scanning party. You see, you, you know what I figured out? If you put party at the end of anything, Ryan shows up. <laughs> I'll bring the beer. <laughs> We're currently on a tour party. <laughs> Having a blast. And uh, no, and so we, I strongly recommend with paperwork, with photos, uh, you, you have, you, you can buy a relatively inexpensive scanner these days. Uh, for those of you who are actually interested in it, you can see the one that, that we use. It's theminimalists.com slash scanning. And we talk about the scanning party that, that we do in there in detail. But basically what, what we did is, okay, I didn't want to tackle this by myself. How, how can I, whenever I come across one of these boring or mundane tasks, one of the first things I'll ask is, how do I make this more interesting? Or, or how can I get someone else involved? And uh, you know, how can I pawn some of this work off on Ryan? And so you invite some, some friends over and have a scanning party. And it was especially helpful with, with the photos because uh, you get this little scanner. And it's not like those old-timey scanners. Remember, like, back in the 90s and early 80s where you'd have that big fax machine slash printer slash scanner, and you'd pull the top up, and you'd put one photo down. And then 18 minutes later, you'd have an upside-down blurry image <laughs> on your computer. Uh, no, these scanners are handheld. They don't even require the, a, a wire or anything. You just start feeding photos through it, and it scans them relatively quickly. And what I found is by doing that process with the photos and then with my, my paperwork as well, I was, not, I was not only able to get them out of the boxes in my attic, in my basement, in my closet, which they weren't doing anything there, but I could actually put them in digital picture frames. And then people, it's strange. They... they they actually want to look at them. Because right now, if someone comes over to your house, they're like, they don't, the first thing that they say is not, hey, whip out your photo albums. <laughs> I'd love to see that trip to Hawaii that you just took. No, but there's a weird thing that happens when someone comes over and you have a digital picture frame. It's one of the first things they go to. Like, we are just drawn to glowing screens. <laughs> and, and, and so 
people start looking at these photographs. And, and what I realized is that I made an, a, a real experience out of it because we would pull the photos out and we'd sit down and we'd talk about it. And we'd say, oh, that's the time you went there. Or what is, what's in this photo and who's this? And you were, I was actually surprised by how many photos I had of people I didn't know who the hell they were. Uh -oh. <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea who this is. I had a whole box of photos. I had no clue who these people were. I don't know if I got it from Goodwill or something. <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, and then from there, it, it bled over into the documents. And then it was quite the task at first. It, it was a long weekend. But once that weekend was over, and then you just keep up with it on a weekly or monthly basis, it becomes so much easier. And you, then you realize the easiest way to keep that paper clutter out is to address it immediately, whether it's a receipt or it is a, a piece of paper or it is a photograph. And the nice thing about those digital picture frames too is you can upload them whenever, right from your phone even now. So you take a picture from here, you can upload it to your, I'm not telling you to upload a picture of us to your digital <laughs> picture frame. What I'm saying is it would be possible if you took a picture of your feet right now, you could upload it immediately to your digital picture frame. And uh, you can actually use these things that you weren't using before. It's funny you bring up feng shui. Because I don't, I don't really know a whole lot about feng shui. F from what I understand is the way things are positioned in your home make you feel a certain way. That's kind of, I'm, I know it goes much deeper than that. But I didn't really have any opinion on that until I got rid of everything, well, 80% of my stuff in, 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 my, in my home. I, I remember like sitting down after getting rid of everything and I'd, you know, flip up my laptop to do some work. And it was so peaceful. Like, I remember being able to concentrate more, to focus more. And I didn't realize how every little thing I had in my home was just catching my eye in the periphery and totally distracting me from being able to focus. So, uh, yeah, that's, I, I, I need to look more into that. Um, the other thing I would say, too, is you're right. Like, going through all that paper... <laughs> That Brutal. paperwork, it is hard. Brutal, yeah. And, you know, un unfortunately, a, a lot of the times we confuse simple with easy. But simple is not easy. It is, it is very difficult. It takes a lot of willpower. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of work. So I would just kind of echo what Josh said. I would encourage you to go through that paperwork. And, you know, I, I was thinking while Josh was talking about the scanning party, another thing we came up with, with too, was, is the 30-day uh, men's game. Have you, have you heard of the 30-day minimalism game? No. So the way it works is you find a, a friend or a family member uh, who also wants to declutter and get, get rid of some things in, in their home. And you both agree to start on the first day of any month. You can pick any, any month you want. Um, what month is this? Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> no, so, uh, you know, and May 1st is coming up pr pretty quickly. And you both agree to get rid of one thing on the first day of the month. Mm -hmm. And then on the second day, you get rid of two things. And on the third day, three things. And on the fourth, you get it. So forth and so on. Mm -hmm. So you just, you know, you bet something real easy. Like someone cooks dinner for the other person, whoever, you know, doesn't make it to the end of the month or a movie. Or But you know what? If both of you make it to the end of the month, though, you both win because you would have gotten rid of, of like 500 items. So you could do that with your paperwork. Um, it, you know, maybe you don't tackle all the items in your home, but just start counting out pieces of paper 
every single day and just take it a small chunk at a time. It's really easy in the beginning, like, you know, one thing, two things. Then you get to day 20. And you're like, oh, man, I got to get rid of 20 pieces. And then tomorrow, 21, and then 22. Like in the last, I think, five days of the month is when you get rid of, like, uh, you know, the other 30% of, <laughs> of, of the stuff that you have left to get rid of. But just take it in small chunks. And, yeah, it is going to be some hard work. But the more you can kind of find ways to uh, uh, make it fun and interesting, it, it's definitely going to go a little bit easier. Thanks Thank for the you. question. Thank you. Making it fun is really important. Yeah. So thank you for making this fun. Oh. oh, thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate that. Thank you. Howdy. Hi. So I'm really big fans of you guys. You guys have been so inspirational to me. What's your name? Um, my name is Michelle. I drove two hours from Hudson Falls, New York, and I actually grew oh. up in Saratoga. So whoever was from Saratoga, hey. Um, <laughs> so... And I, and I listen to your podcast every week, and it's funny because as the callers call, I go, all right, they're going to say the minimals game, or they're going to say change the people, but don't you can change the people, right? So I'm having fun listening. That's verbatim. <laughs> um, so what I drove here for is I know your backstory so well, and I heard you say something interesting tonight which leads to why I'm here. So you said that getting rid of things and decluttering is really just, it's not the reason, right? The reason is after. So what I don't know about you guys, which I wanna know, is what does your life look like now? So you have freedom and you do a lot of things. I, I know some things, but you know, what are your, what are your day-to-day -day lives look like that you're able to have so much freedom? Like, do you still go to work somewhere, or is that gone now because sure. you're, you don't have to? What's that look like? Yeah, I, I think my life is, is considerably different from even when I first became a minimalist. And that was the interesting thing that, that appealed to me when I first found out about the minimalism and, and the people that Ryan talked about, whether it was, it was Colin Wright and he was... Uh, you know, a world traveler, but I didn't want to be a peripatetic writer. I don't even like traveling that much. Um, there, there are kind of three things I hate. It's traveling, public speaking, and large crowds of people. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I actually hate it, but I'm just, I'm an introvert, and, and so I, I get uncomfortable. Um, and so, um, but... I find that when I put myself in that discomfort zone, that's the place from which I grow the most. But so when I was 28 and I first embraced minimalism and I'm, I'm 35 now, my life went from this 100 miles an hour to slowing down to essentially zero. And then I did pick back up and I, I live a considerably different life. I, mean, I have a partner. We have a three-year-old. She'll be, she'll be four really soon. And, and, you know, I live in a completely different state. I have a different, you know, career. I make money a different way, too. I, I teach a writing class. And so that, that is how I can make an income. But it's something that, that is congruent with the person that I wanted to become. And so now what I really look for is do my daily actions, do they align with, with my values? And back, back then... Back when I was 27, I didn't even know what my values were, right? And so I, I probably would have given you some decent answer, but I, it wouldn't have meant anything. It would have been a, a sort of empty veneer that, um, that, that would have sounded semi-coherent. And, and what I've learned is that 
yeah, maybe that veneer is important, but also what's inside is far more important. And so I've been able to uncover what my values are and then work toward that. And now today, you know, I aspire to be my 40-year-old my self. And, and that's the, the person I'm, I'm looking up to right now. And, and I'm, constantly, I'm constantly failing at that, by the way. And I think it's, it's, that's important to recognize. Ryan and I don't sit up here with all the answers or, or even most of them. What, what we figured out is a way to have a bunch of little failures on our way to, uh, to a, a type of success that is, is beyond happiness. Because I don't, think, I don't think happiness is the point. I think that was, what, that was actually the problem for me. I was just chasing happiness. And, and I kept chasing it. And I didn't realize that happiness was actually a byproduct of living a more meaningful life. And, and that's really what my life looks like now. You know, I don't think my life is that much different than anyone else's. Because we, we do have an office in Missoula. Um, we got to get internet somewhere because we, we run a blog. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, for me, I... I gave my priorities uh, when I was, you know, 26, 27, 28 years old. I gave my priorities a lot of lip service. If you asked me what my priorities were, I would have been like, oh, my health. I got to be healthy. Without your health, well, then you're, you're not going to be happy. And I uh, got to have good relationships in my life. And, uh, you know, you got to uh, work on that big passion project and uh, really want to contribute more, so forth and so on. But really, I just gave that stuff lip service. And... Uh, when I was having that revelation moment with uh, 80% of my stuff still sitting in the boxes, that is when, like I said, my perspective had changed. When I was like, wow, like my priorities are this, but here's what I'm focused on. And what I realized is that our priority, priorities are not what we say they are. Our priorities are what we do. And that is where I really started uh, to focus, and that's where I focus today. Um, I wish I had some like sexy answer for you about what my day to day life is, but I'll, I'll tell you three things I focus on every single day. Um, I will m meditate, and sometimes it's just for sixty. Like my goal is sixty seconds, and sometimes it turns into fifteen minutes. Sometimes it turns into a half hour, and it's great. And other times for sixty seconds, I'm like, I can't wait till this is over. <laughs> Uh, the other thing is I will try to do some type of exercise, whether it's uh, walking or going to the gym. Um, I'll do, you know, three sets of squats and some, three sets of push-ups, you know, just something to uh, just to focus on my health. I, I hate going to bed thinking like, wow, I kind of ate like crap today and I didn't even like go for a walk. Uh, the third thing I do is I will, I will ask myself every day uh, how... Or what have I done to add value to the people in my life? So whether it's Josh or whether it's uh, my partner Mariah or if it's my mom or whoever it may be, I'm always uh, trying to make sure that I'm adding value to, to the people who are closest to me. And then, you know, I fill my day with other stuff. Like uh, I love to snowboard. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love to hike. I mean, we live in Montana. So, you know, if you can get, get outside of your apartment, then there's endless possibilities uh, to do, which is really hard, by the way, because like I mountain bike, I snowboard, and I really want to start fly fishing. <laughs> but like I know if I pick that habit up, 
that like how much stuff is going to come with that. <laughs> and it's not, again, it's not wrong with having stuff as long as it's adding value and, and I'm using it. But I know that I already have a hard enough time finding the time to snowboard and to mountain bike. Like I'm, I'm not willing to bring any more hobbies into my life right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think now uh, to, to echo what Josh said, I focus on living a meaningful life. And for me, what that means is my short-term actions aligning with my long-term values and beliefs. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for the question. Here. Howdy. Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, my name's Amanda, and I live in Burlington, Vermont. Um, and I had a hard time making it to this portion of the evening because I had such a strong urge to jump out of my chair, go home, and start pulling stuff out of the cabinet. <laughs> um, well, thanks for making it through. Made it. Um, so I work in market research, and one thing we really like to do is segment the market into the low-hanging fruit who are easy to convince and the hard-to-reach customers who are hard to convince. Um, so I'm curious, in all the experience you've had talking to successful minimalists and talking to people struggling to just get started, um, what are the um, you know, beliefs or values or, or what makes it you know, harder for some people to do this versus easier and kind of what messages or what you've learned um, helps people get over some of those um, struggles getting started. Um, and to get you started thinking about that, one observation I've had is that I know a lot more men than women um, who seem to be better at keeping their life pared down. So I was wondering if there's a gender thing going on. And then another thing is um, in, the, in, in Vermont, some of us label ourselves as environmentalists and we don't like to waste things. So if there's any kind of anti-waste thing that makes it hard for people. But and, any other ideas? She totally welcome? cheated with like three questions. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. Yeah, no. Well, I think it's interesting because we're, we're living in an interesting time. And I don't think the idea of minimalism is new. Like, intentional living, Ryan and I didn't come up with this concept, right? Uh, but you didn't? <laughs> I know I told you that at first, man. <laughs> but, um, you, no, I, I think that, that we're f it's an old idea. It's like an old wisdom but we're facing a new problem, and that is unchecked consumerism at a level that the world has, has never seen. And it's because of a lot of different types of, of marketing where you, you segment customer groups and you figure out the most effective way to, to uh, partition them and sort of divide and conquer, right? And, and it's even more pernicious now with the online world because the segmenting is formulaic. There are algorithms. So if you're on Instagram, for example, and by the way, I'm not saying any, any, like the internet is evil or Instagram is evil. I'm not saying that. I'm saying these are tools, but sometimes uh, some of the tactics used uh, in the background can be pernicious. So Instagram is a good example because they will sometimes uh, run certain algorithms on you as a user. You will be user 419 in experiment 1617B, and they're going to figure out how many likes they need to give you over the course. Of, so say 100 friends of yours like your picture, right? They'll hold off 30 of those for a minute and then wait until a minute and barrage you with those 30 because you know, they know there'll be a certain level 
what, and they're trying to figure out what that threshold is for you. So how many likes do I need to give you within a 60 second time frame so that you get that dopamine rush? And I could hook you up to, so, uh, to a, a brain wave machine and, and I, could, I could check to see where your cortisol levels are, right? And I could figure out, oh, it was that 29th like in 60 seconds that raised your cortisol level to this, to this level. And now, and now you're more susceptible to this ad from Tide. And so that is sort of the, the, the problem that we're facing now is there are really well-paid engineers and demographers who, whose full-time gig it is to aggregate your eyeballs on, onto their, their widget or, or, or your product or service, basically. And, and so I think as, as humans, what we have to do is we have to start to develop the mechanisms to be able to to handle that and man it's not easy because it it's almost like we're fighting we're fighting against the the impulse ryan and i just recorded a podcast episode that'll be out next week actually um in the middle of it like just on a whim i said i'm going to delete all the social media apps from my phone just as an experiment and so I did. And Ryan's like, oh, that sounds neat. I'll do it too. And he did it right in the middle of the podcast. And, and so I think sometimes what the answer is, is experimenting. Going a little bit extreme in one direction. It takes the pendulum swinging from here to here to actually end up eventually in that, that comfortable middle. But once we end up there, that target's going to change too. So we have to, we have to constantly keep reevaluating. Yeah, I don't, uh, speaking to your question about men versus women and being uh, minimalists, I have seen problems on, on both sides. I mean, you know, one woman's hoard of makeup might be another man's hoard of sentimental items. So I really don't see a huge difference. And there are plenty of, of uh, women minimalists out there. I don't know if you've ever been to Courtney uh, Carver's website, um, but it's uh, bemorewithless.com. But she's got like a great, uh, like if, you're, if, if you or anyone out there is, are having some troubles, like with clothes, for example, she's got this great project. It's called Project 333. And basically, you choose certain pieces of clothing. It's like 33 items of clothing. Um, there's a couple like caveats, like uh, I think like maybe jewelry doesn't count. There's a couple it different. It totally counts, man. She it's, counts jewelry. Yeah, but there was, there's something that doesn't count, though. Underwear. Yeah, underwear. But real minimalists and, don't wear underwear. That's right. <laughs> you share a pair of underwear like Josh and I do. <laughs> but my, my, my point is, is that uh, you can usually tell who is, who is uh, doing this project um, because they're usually really well-dressed. Because when you have to choose uh, just... Um, I, I say a few, but 33 is a lot of pieces of clothing... Um, saying the guy who wears black t-shirt and jeans every day. Um, but but when, you, when you're forced to make those choices, then you are forced to pick the best looking pieces of, of clothing that you have. So uh, I, I don't think there is a huge difference. I think maybe different problems and there has to be some different approaches between men and women, but I don't think that it's easier for men than it is women or, or vice versa. And uh, the environmental thing, this has been on my mind for the last two years, two and a half years. 
Um, so one of the beautiful things about minimalism is that when you consume less, well, you waste less. So, I mean, you know, having a less of an impact on the environment is a beautiful byproduct of being a minimalist. I would not consider myself an environmentalist because I, yeah, I'll forget my water bottle and then I'm like super thirsty and I'm like, well, crap, like all I can get is this like plastic, I'll recycle the plastic bottle afterwards, but still like twinging and like buying a plastic bottle. But I would love to talk, Josh and I would love to talk about that more here and maybe you got some ideas. But here, here's the, the kind of the, the problem I have with writing about the, about the environment is I can't think of anything that isn't almost um, kind of like fear-mongering. Because like right now when I see an environmentalist or um, you know, uh, an, an article on how we're all you know, doomed, essentially... It, it is all doom and gloom stuff. Like there is no, the only benefit is, is like, hey, your, your grandkids will live, which is great. Like I care about my grandkids, but a lot of people, they don't give a crap about it. They're like, yeah, whatever. We'll let, we'll let our grandkids figure it out. So the trouble I have when writing about the environment is how do I make someone who could, who could care less about the environment, how do I make them find the joy and caring about the environment. Because when you talk to someone about um, <laughs> recycling, for example, like that, to a lot of people, it sounds like a miserable task. Like I got to separate all of my, you know, metal from plastic and so forth and so on. I, I had someone give me a really good idea um, about how kids love to pretty much help with anything you ask them to do. So I think it would be really easy to get a child on board, you know, kind of help have them help you with recycling or whatever it may be in, in, in teaching kids young. But how do, how do you make a, a 25-year-old, uh, you know, kid who, 25-year-old kid, you know how old I am, <laughs> who, you know, like maybe they, uh, they're just, you know, kind of being a bachelor and ordering pizza every day, whatever. Like how, how, do, how do you convince that person without the doom and gloom talk to be an environmentalist? Um, so if you have any ideas, tweet me. <laughs> uh, because actually, you know, it's funny. Josh talked about us deleting our apps off our phone. So the whole thing is like what that forces me to do is I have to choose the times when I'm going to go to Facebook on my computer and check all those notifications. And over the last like three days being on the road, like it has, it has been stressing me out so much. Like, oh, I gotta get and check those two hundred freaking notifications that I get every single day. I del I just got rid of my Facebook yesterday. Like, I totally deleted it altogether. Wow. Thank you very much. I wasn't looking for an applause, but by the but way, if you follow the minimalists on Facebook, that's not deleted. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And by the way, Jessica's around here somewhere. Jessica Williams runs our, our social media accounts. I heard hi up there, ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Williams. So if you're seeing any of the great pictures, or we're on Instagram right now doing like Instagram stories, we always try to, I mean, the question I always ask, and I ask Jessica as well, before we share anything is, is this going to add value? Because, I mean, the, the noise ratio on social media now is so high, and I, I mean, it's, you know, it's like, it feels like an infomercial sometimes when you, you, you get onto social media and you just see ads and this barrage of sort of, of... Uh, Do you not have an ad blocker on your Facebook? 
I don't use Facebook. <laughs> but um, it totally exists. Does it really? Yeah, yeah. That is great. Well, I, I'll I'll finish that with a story about the the gender the gender thing. So we were in uh, Pittsburgh last night, and one of the first couples uh, that came up to us, uh, they were they, they they said something about um, uh, well the you could it was clear that the wife had dragged the husband there that night, right? And so it was almost the opposite of your question because she was like, how can I get him on board with this minimalism thing? And, and I'm like, well, the, the, the way to do it is not to drag him there kicking and screaming, right? It's really to show, to show the benefits of it. And uh, I think it is less clear with, with the environmental thing because it's not as immediate. With, the nice thing about it, minimalism is, yes, that is a, the, the less waste, I mean, considerably less waste in my life now. I mean, I, I probably produced more waste in a year than I do in a decade now, uh, back in my 20s, right? Just because it's not that I, I didn't care. It's I didn't even know that I should care or why I should care or what my, you know, what's my motivation? Um, but then uh, toward, toward the end of the night, we, we, had, we had someone come up and, and ask about... Um, well, it, it was it was a guy, and he's like, I'm really trying hard to explain this to my girlfriend. Like, she just doesn't get it. And so I think I think we all struggle with. And so one of the things that Ryan and I have been talking about very recently is how do we how do we find a way not to just communicate this message like we have tonight, but but how do we find a way to help other people communicate that message more effectively to their friends and family and loved ones, not in a way that beats them over the head with it. But how do we get them to, to help put it out there in a way that inspires others to, to move forward with less? Thanks for your question. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks. All right, before we move on to this lightning round, for anyone who's, who's listening to this at home, we'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have a, a comment or, or a tip for anyone who asked us a question today, you can leave us a voicemail at 406 219 7839. We will air our favorite comments and tips on the, the next episode. Also, we have a, you can send a voice memo now, right, from your phone. So you can just record that on your phone and send it to podcast at theminimalists.com. And you know what time it is, Ryan. Oh, yeah. It's time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalist lightning round. Indeed. And so speaking of social media, uh, we're on uh, Twitter and Instagram at theminimalists and facebook.com slash theminimalists. And during this lightning round, this is where we basically try to give you a bunch of uh, pithy answers to, to, your, to your questions. So you're welcome to, uh, to come on up now and uh, ask a question, and we'll do our best to answer it in 140 characters or less. If we don't have a pithy thing for you, then we'll just maunder on a bit until we figure something out. All right, we um, can edit it later. <laughs> Howdy. Hi, I'm Alex. I'm from Ware, New Hampshire. Hi, thanks for coming, man. Um, I follow you guys. Oh, thanks, oh, brother. Goodness. Podcasts or whatever. Awesome. Man. Voice crack. It's all right. Um, <laughs> so you can come on close to the mic. In there. So my question was, um, can minimalism be uh, transferred for not just like your house, but like for other aspects of life, like school or relationships? Other yes. Things? Yeah. So 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 can can minimalism uh, bleed over into other areas of your life? Um, I, would, I got something pithy. Oh, go for it. Unless you want to keep stalling. No. <laughs> Please, save me. Um, minimalism is not just a well-curated home. Minimalism is a well-curated life. Ooh. 
That was good. But, Thank you. Look, well, this is like this is like our version of a rap battle. <laughs> How about this, dude? Well, you're gonna win. Let's you're... see if we can get we can get pithier here. Um, intentionality is contagious. Oh, you won that round. Oh! Mark one up, Sean. <laughs> uh, we have other Sean, other Sean up there. So you have to be named Sean and be from Ohio to, to be on the team. But other Sean is a uh, talented editor-in-chief at our publishing house, which is called Asymmetrical Press. Let's give him a round of applause. He's, he's a really talented novelist, by the way. Sean Mahalik is his name, and writing novels is his game. Uh, hello, my hello. name is Maya, and I was wondering, um, when you guys tell people that you're minimalist, what's the difference in their reactions six years ago to now? Oh, okay. I got a pithy answer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'm getting applause out of this, but this is true. Oh, you're setting the bar low. <laughs> uh, I don't care what people think about me. Mm. That, that's a great answer. Here we go. Here we go. I don't care what people think about me. I care what I think about me. You're welcome for that jump start. <laughs> Hi, I'm Billy. I'm from right here in Burlington area. So thanks for coming, Billy. Well, thanks for you for coming. Um, so you spend 30 years collecting stuff, wanting stuff, and then you stop. Is there anything in the last half a decade that tripped you up where it wasn't for value or purpose, you were just like, I gotta have it. And then you were like, oh, I didn't need that. If I died with no regrets, I'd really regret that. The best parts of me are made up of some of my worst failures. <laughs> that was good. That was good, man. Mine got what? a what? 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 <laughs> Were the judges? Oh, that was you for sure, man. I'll oh. give it to you. You can have okay. that one. All right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Can he tie it up? Howdy. What's your name? Hi, I'm Sammy. Hey, Sammy. I'm wondering if you've had to teach yourself to say no to things. I say no to as many things as I can so I can say yes for the important things. Good answer. Yeah, I can't beat that one. Yeah, all right, tiebreaker, here we go. Hi guys, I'm Tyler, nice to meet you, thanks for coming. Um, hey Tyler. This might mirror a longer answer depending on how you see it. So uh, would you say that your, how would you say that your message has been received by people in poverty who need materials as a necessity to move forward in life, therefore can't see them as a reduction necessarily? Yeah. I'll give you a pithy, but we can expound on it. That'd be awesome. It doesn't matter how much money you have. If you make shitty decisions, you're probably going to have a shitty life. Maybe I should have not said shitty. 
We gotta <laughs> just bleep that out on the podcast, Sean. I know I've said fuck at least once tonight, right? <laughs> no? All right. Um, <clears throat> money doesn't buy happiness, but neither does poverty. And so that's my pithy answer to you. But, but the truth is... Yeah, I wouldn't wish my childhood on, on anyone, honestly. I mean, it was, like, I know a lot of people look back to their, their, their childhood days with awe and, like, nostalgia, and, like, I just don't want to remember it at all. It was, it was really, really bad. Like, I, in, in the talk, I really downplay how shitty it was, honestly. And, and I can tell you that when when I did go out and got, I got that corporate job and like started making money, it was more comfortable at first. And, and when I thought we were unhappy because we didn't have a lot of money growing up, that actually wasn't why we were unhappy. We were unhappy because of the poor decisions that were made on a continual basis. We are gonna, we're all gonna make poor decisions and sometimes we'll have bad luck and that will compound for sure. But what I learned throughout my 20s is I started making good money and then better money and even better money is that just allowed me to make even worse decisions. I had more resources to make bad decisions. And the contentment had a lot more to do with the decisions I was making on a daily basis, the habits I had, the actions I took daily. I was, uh, in the corporate world at, my, at the peak, I was making about $200,000 a year in Dayton, Ohio. And when I walked away from there, I made $23,000 a year. And not only was I happier, but again, happiness isn't the point, but I was more financially secure making $23,000 a year. And that's because I was making much better decisions. I was less comfortable, but I was living a better life. Thanks for the question. Yeah, no, thank, thank you. Thank you. Good luck with everything. Thank you. That's right. a little bit high for me. We got two more here. We'll be extra pithy. Howdy, what's your name? Uh, Melissa, hi. Howdy. Um, I was wondering how do you deal with people giving you gifts you don't want and you don't need? Because surely you don't want them and you don't need them. I got it. I got it. Presence is the best present. Thank you. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm trying to figure out a way to make this pithy, but I'm, I'm for the sake of time, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go over 140 characters. Uh, uh, you can't. You deleted your Facebook account. <laughs> I still got Twitter. I know, right? <laughs> You're gonna do like multiple tweet. You do a tweet stream. I'll edit it later. <laughs> now, uh, if someone buys you a gift, they want you to be happy, right? If your life is happier without that thing in it, you'd be doing them a disservice if you didn't get rid of it. Mm, that is good. You're disqualified, though. <laughs> All right, we saved the best for last. Oh, man, that's a lot to live up to. Out of pressure. Hi, my name's Morgan. I've actually never heard of you guys. My friend brought me here tonight. I'm really into it, though. I like it. Awesome. awesome. Um, I heard you say that you have a, a child 
And I don't have kids, but I have a lot of people in my life that do have children. And what I've seen over the past, like since like 2010 to now, is kind of kids get stuff. They get a lot of stuff. Whether you want them to or not, uh, they just accumulate small toys. And I kind of want to know, I, don't, I guess I don't know if you have children. I do not, but okay. I can give some really good advice on kids. You know? I'm, and I'm into it. <laughs> Without it. having kids, I got all the advice. And I, well, I guess what my question is, like, having a child, how do you deal with the idea of minimalism and, you know, the realities of having a kid, you know? There's a lot of, like, tiny things that come with kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I got a pithy answer, but I don't. No, please totally, do. I'm totally stealing your please answer, Please do. Though. We're, we're tied three to three right now, so go for it. <laughs> I would say... Uh, Having children makes minimalism even more important. Oh. <laughs> you getting that on camera? He is getting that on camera. <laughs> um, I, I totally agree with that. I'll, I'll try to expand on it, but I don't have, I'm not going to have a, sh a shorter answer that's better than that. Um, so uh, here, here's what I've learned. So I'll, I'll give you a stat. So the average child in, in the United States has 238 to toys. They play with 12 daily. Um, and, and they forget about the other 226. Still a math podcast, right? Can someone double check us? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're supposed to be the human abacus. Uh, we, no, I, uh, I've learned that our kids are watching, right? Actually, everyone's watching. I can tell Ella what to do until I'm blue in the face, and she'll listen to a certain extent, but only if my actions align with that. I mean, the simplest example is we'll be at dinner, I'm like, hey, you've got to use your fork. Stop picking that rice up with your hand. You know, you're a big girl now, right? We talked about big girls do not put rice in their hand and shove it in their mouth. And, and then, of course, you know, eight minutes later, I'll, she'll catch me pulling something off her mom's plate, Josh, you're supposed to use your fork. And I'm like, oh. And like, okay, where's she getting it from? She's getting it from me. Like, I'm setting the example. And that's actually the good news. It's good news for several reasons. First is because I can set a good example. But second, it makes me raise my own standards for myself, right? It helps me be more congruent. And then I think that starts to bleed over in other areas of life, too. And so I think if we want to teach our kids about living a meaningful life with fewer but better things, we have to show them what that means, not just tell them what it means. It's important to tell them, to use you know, the vocabulary and develop the vocabulary as a family together so you can talk about it in an educated way, but more important to develop those habits together. And now Ella's at a point where she always wants to donate everything because we, we have a donation box up front, and so she constantly is just like, uh, when she's done playing with a toy, like it, she, she takes it overboard. She'll get a toy and play with it for an hour and say, I want to donate it now. <laughs> or we'll be eating dinner and say, I want to donate this kale. <laughs> and uh, I try to explain to her, it doesn't, it, she can donate it to me usually, I'll eat it. But, um, but no, I, I, I've, I've realized that, that those behaviors, that it becomes a pattern over time. And yeah, it's not easy, but it is pretty simple. Thank, Thank you. you. That was a good last question. Yeah, so. <laughs> before we wrap it up, I, I just want to thank the venue. We, we've 
This is our eighth tour in seven years. So we started the website just over six years ago. This is our seventh year. And we have done hundreds of tour stops over the years. And I have not been treated as well by, by a venue yeah. th than we have here. And thank you all for just giving us such a great welcome. Yeah. Amen. You can tell the team, whether it's the lighting or, or the audio or just the people that cooked us dinner here tonight, they're like a family. And it's just, it's so refreshing to, to see that a place like this exists. You never know what you're going to get when you show up. You never know really what to expect. And I try to go in it without any expectations. But uh, this place clearly has, clearly has very high standards. So we're just really grateful that you allowed us into, uh, into your home here tonight. And uh, I really want to thank... Oh, I'm going to thank a couple other people, too. Conrad's back there filming this. We don't know what we're going to do with the, what we're filming right now. Uh, and that's... So, so, as I mentioned, we started this thing six years ago. We just went out on the road and started listening to people. And we would tell a story like, ah, this is going to kill. And people were like, crickets. Because like, and, and, we didn't have anything really prepared. But then, all of a sudden, Ryan would just mention in passing, like, the packing party. And then you just move on to something else. And someone's like, wait, wait a minute. What did, you, what did you say? A packing party? What the hell is a packing party? Or, or when I started talking about, you know, dealing with my mom's stuff. And then that became a story which I was able to flesh out in time. And, and that led to us writing Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. And then Everything That Remains in an essay collection. And then we put this documentary out. And we've been able to reach so many more people. And now we're out here just doing it again. We're trying to listen to more people so we can figure out where do we go from here and we're getting a ton of ideas from this so we're, we're grateful that you're showing up and we're filming some of it along the way in hopes that we can we can create something new and find new ways to to inspire other people and so really the, uh, the last person I want to thank here is you we're just really grateful you decided to be here tonight and if you leave here actually before you leave here we'll be in the back dishing out free hugs and uh, yeah, they're, they're transferable, too. So you can pick one up and take it with you and hand it off to someone else. You know, you, you need six a day for happiness, 12 a day for growth. And the cool thing is when you, when you get a hug, you, you also give a hug and vice versa. When you give a hug, you, you get one. And so you're welcome to grab one. They're totally optional, by the way. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we, uh, we <laughs> don't. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> we did a, a criticism episode of our podcast where we just read mean tweets from people. And someone said, my favorite part of the documentary is when that big Greek guy hug rapes everyone. <laughs> what did he say? He's like, every time he hands out a hug, take a drink and then die. <laughs> I promise you all the hugs are consensual. No, but if you don't want to hug, that's totally fine. We'll be back there with books as well. Uh, we'll sign some books if you, if you want to buy one. If you don't want to buy one or you didn't bring a wallet, you couldn't afford one, you want to just pick one up, you want to take one home, we'll buy one for you. So if you, if you want a book, it's on us if you, if you can't afford it for sure. Yeah, make sure after you, if you do get a book, like after you read it, minimize it, right? Like we're not trying to like, you know, pedal books. Like 
hey, give it to a friend or a family member, family member, or like donate it to your library. Um, so many libraries across the country like have uh, our books in uh, their library because of, of that reason. So definitely minimize it if, if you do decide to get a book. Yeah, for sure. I think once you read it, you realize like maybe I don't need to keep holding on to this, put it on my bookshelf next to everything else. Um, it's always like the, the sign of someone who hasn't read the book. They're like, I've got all three on my bookshelf. Uh, uh-huh. Um, but um, yeah, we're just really grateful you decided to, uh, to come here with us. We'll, we'll see you in the back. Um, and if you leave here with one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for your time, y'all. Finally, here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi there, this is Meredith calling from Melbourne, Australia. I just wanted to leave a message uh, for Jeff from Pittsburgh who was talking about coping with grief and loss and handling the possessions of loved ones who've passed over um, and how that's part of the grieving and recovery process. I just wanted to to call in because I lost my um, beloved grandmother, Nora, two years ago and we were so, so close. And when we were organising her home um, following her passing, there was a lot of stuff in there that you know, she had herself hadn't really used for many years, to be honest. And I was wanting to, you know, carry on um, celebrating her life, but just didn't feel willing to take on all of the stuff. But the few items that I did take with me um, and bring into my home or our home um, that I share with my husband were a couple of really practical items. So I kept Mama's Mix Master, Mama's Soup Ladle, um, and Mama's Tea uh, tea Cozy. So they're three things I can just think of um, off the top of my head. Actually, very few other items I did keep, but those three things are really practical things, which mean that when I'm using those things at home, um, and I use them in my, my daily life, while I'm using them, I'm talking to Mama, I'm thinking about Mama, um, and these things add value to my life in a really practical way. So rather than just being ornamental or, you know, being the funny old China, you know, girl with a bunch of balloons that she had on her mantelpiece, these are things that she would use in her own kitchen and I can carry on using in my own kitchen. And yeah, so Jeff, that just um, came to mind when I was listening to you on the live um, broadcast and I was just hoping that maybe that might... Um, might be helpful to you to just keep the things that, uh, that, that you can use and when you do use them that you can start a bit of a conversation um, with that loved one and you know, talk to them as if they were here because um, that certainly adds a lot of value to my life with Mama whenever I'm, I'm thinking about her and missing her. Hey guys, Rebecca here from Colorado and former five-year Missoula resident. Uh, I was just calling regarding your last podcast uh, called Things, uh, specifically when you were talking about scanning and scanning parties and buying a scanner and whatnot. Uh, Ryan is right. There's an app for that. And my favorite app for scanning is called Tiny Scan. It's a really awesome app. It's free for a limited number of documents, but if you have a lot of documents... Uh, you can upgrade to the pro version for $4.99. So basically you just take a picture of your documents or photos and you can save it as a color, black and white, or a photo and it emails you the file. 
So it's really great and uh, hopefully some people will get some use out of it. Hi guys, this is Nicole from Omaha, Nebraska and I wanted to share how I overcame my depression a few years ago. And one way that it really, really offset my depression was the book The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. Um, I read it and it really, really changed my perspective on how to live a happier life and to throw away my depression um, over a matter of months. Her book just really outlines ways to boost your happiness by either decluttering or spending more time with friends that you haven't seen for a while and just basic everyday points to just boost your happiness. Another book that really helped was Eat, Pray, Love. Um, She was a woman who completely had her whole life turned around by a simple act of leaving her husband and just how she regained, regained her happiness little by little by just diving into an adventure. My very last thing that I would say that helped me a lot was having two separate journals. I had one journal that was all of my happy thoughts that would go on throughout my day, even if it was very, very minimal happy thoughts. And I had another journal that was just my bad thoughts. And believe it or not, when you write down your bad thoughts and then you read them aloud, it actually looks ridiculous and you start wondering why you even have those thoughts to begin with and I eventually threw that journal away years and years later but having that journal really opened up my eyes to how minimal my worries were Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for, and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it. So tear your eyes away, or tear.